You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love. We're talking about sex goes beyond the taboo and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. I'm Dr. Joe Court and today we're going to be talking about adult neurodiverse relationships with psychotherapist Ashley Grubbs. Ashley is a licensed professional counselor practicing in Texas, Virginia, and Colorado. Currently, she's working on her PhD in clinical sexology for modern sex therapy institutes. She specializes in PTSD and trauma, sex therapy, and neurodiverse couples counseling. She uses acceptance and commitment therapy as well as systemic approaches to build rapport and authentic connections with her clients. She's passionate about assisting others with intimacy and gender concerns, is an ally for LGBTQ, and she is kink-friendly. Her goal is to help learn clients learn new skills to live their best lives. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, thanks for having me. So glad to have you here. I would just like to start because, um, you know, I am married to somebody who is on the autism spectrum. He has ASD, used to be called Asperger's. We still call it that, but I know there's controversy around the word because of the man it was named after. But um, I wrote an article a few years ago on Huffington Post, and it did receive a lot of attention. Uh, but I don't really know how much attention because it was an article and the comment sections was all I had to go by. And then a week ago on Sunday morning, I just decided I, I'm a, doing all this stuff on TikTok. I thought, I'm just going to talk about my relationship because it could help others who are in the same relationship. So I talked about me being married to Mike. And when we got together, our very first um, time together, he uh, asked me um, if we were on a date. He's just like that. He said, is this a date? You know, when you're two gay men and you're going out, you don't know, is this a friendship? Is this a date? So it was so um, uh, intriguing to me to have somebody be so vulnerable, so honest. And on our second date, he said, "Is this, are we still dating? And that to me was like even more vulnerable. And it just grabbed my heart. I always was able to see his vulnerability, but I didn't know he had Asperger at the time. I didn't know what it was. I just knew I was in love with him. I thought he had a, he's an IT guy. He had his own um, brain, uh, the way his brain worked in um, working with IT, you know, um, computer databases. And so anyways, last week I, I went on there. I said that. I just did like a minute on it. And it on TikTok video, and it now has over 4 million views and thousands and thousands of comments, many, many of which are these couples where one is neurotypical like me. And the and their one other partners like my husband neuroatypical, and then there's all these mothers of of children who are so thankful to hear from somebody like me that there is hope for their child to have these relationships. So that's all I want to say. That's how we got here. Oh, and then I I was supervising you the next day, and then I don't know why I never knew this, but you were like, oh my god, that's my like the biggest specialty. And then you started educating me. I'm like, you got to be on the show. So happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks. It's- an area I'm really passionate about. We had, we being me and my husband had a very similar first date. I won't repeat the questions he asked me may not be appropriate for all listeners, but same kind of thing of like, wow, this is such a new, different kind of fresh openness I'd never experienced before. And then later, once we put the pieces together and knew it was autism, it made so much sense, but it just felt so refreshing to have someone be blunt and honest about what they were thinking. Wow. And you know how that's, it's therapeutic for me to hear you even say that. So I'm, I'm not alone in when that, what that, when that happened. Oh no, not at all. I don't think. 
So what do people, people are going to be listening. They're going to be like, what does neurodiverse mean? Can you explain it? Sure. So neurodiverse is kind of just a really broad category for anyone's brain who quote unquote doesn't think the same. So it can include traumatic brain injuries, ADHD. The one I see the most, like you said, is autism. And so really what it is, it just means your brain processes information differently than someone who is neurotypical like you or I. So for my couples that I see, it's specifically autism is the one I get. And autism is considered a developmental disability. I don't necessarily love the disability aspect of it because again, my partner is a wonderful human as is yours, as is everybody on the spectrum. Um, But they can have difficulty socially or with communication or with behaviors. But really, it's just a really broad category for anyone whose brain works differently than ours. Yeah, I just learned something. I never thought about it being for people who have maybe had some brain injury or whatever. So, right, it's just the brain's working differently. Right, right. And and I said ASD earlier. That means uh, autistic spectrum disorder. Is that right? Correct. So most people that are autistic don't don't really identify with the ASD label. So you might see that in some communities that it's, oh, I have ASD. Most people, it's a very inclusive, inclusive title. So it'd be the same thing as you saying like, oh, I have gay, right? Like that's not how we ever talk about it. Yeah. And so it's the I am autistic, making it more of an identity perspective is something that's really big within the autism community. Well, I learned a lot too, because I mean, I was using Asperger's as, cause that's what I've, uh, that, you know, there are books written on it and that, that right. is the word. And I know it's changing. I never meant to insult anybody, but then I started saying high functioning autism. And then that was like challenged and, and it makes sense. Cause then you're saying that there's low functioning. So what, what do you say? Different functioning? So I get really specific with what the functioning looks like. So um, someone that might come into my office might be nonverbal. And so I would describe their functioning as nonverbal. So I make it really specific to what are the behaviors? What are the thinking patterns? Not just high versus low, because really everyone is high functioning. The functioning just manifests differently. Okay. Because I, I mean, I think about Mike, like you really wouldn't know. You would think, oh, he's a little odd or a little socially awkward. Some people will, would even say uh, that he's arrogant and um, they, they don't feel comfortable, but he isn't. He's just super quiet. And, and people right. will say he's not having a good time. He's having a blast. He just doesn't express it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that'd just be a difference in the functioning and expression versus how you or I would do it. Now, one of the things that people asked about online, uh, and I thought we could talk about here, is how what's the impact of it on a sex life and intimacy between couples? Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to work on, my favorite topic, as I know you know. It can look so different and also so similar at the same time. So I'm really going to speak from um, my neurotypical perspective. I'm not going to try and speak as much for someone who has autism. I think that's a really important distinction. But what I see a lot in my practice is that it can be different based on how someone with autism approaches textures and feelings. Um, So that's a really, really big thing for someone who's autistic is some clothing doesn't feel good. Some tags on like shirts or pants cannot feel good. And that can translate to the bedroom as well. Um, So that might be like using a specific type of sheet only, like no other type of material, like silk is a really common one I hear talked about. Um, Some types of oral sex can feel gross or off-putting because, you know, oral sex creates a little bit of some type of texture that not everybody's into. So that can be a really big piece of sexuality is when you're having sex with someone or any kind of intimacy, not just penetrative sex with someone who might be 
neurotypical, the conversations about it might look different and how you're doing it might look different based on the texture piece. But there also is another, impo another important consideration when autism is considered in the bedroom. And that's about how they may or may not approach sex. So a lot of my clients, what I see is the partner that uh, does have autism views it more as like, this is a release, right? This feels good. My mood shift, I can feel like this is an action. It's not always about the connection. And that's not true every time. But for the more neurotypical partner, having sex with someone when it's like, great, I got my release, I got off, I'm feeling better. You don't always get that same wrap up piece that you might be expecting or that you yourself might want because they're viewing it a little bit differently in that kind of capacity. I just feel like what you're saying is so important, even for all couples, right? Everybody's different in how they are erotic in the bed. Right, exactly. And that's just something I think we all work with. And, and that's the biggest thing I really emphasize in my practice is I will have couples come in. And usually my couples are similar to you and I, Joe, where they found out their partner was autistic after starting a relationship, which I think is a little bit different. But there's a lot of expectation of here's what sex and intimacy is going to look like when really that's different no matter who your partner is. It doesn't matter if your partner is autistic or not, like there needs to be conversation and communication about what we like and don't like. But because the communication piece with someone autistic is different already, that can sometimes create an additional roadblock there. That makes so much sense. And then you said something that I think we should talk about. There's lots of testing and lots of uh, places for kids to go and right. parents bring their kids, but nothing for adults. Is that right? Yeah. So there is some kind of modified testing you can do, but it's much harder to get a formal diagnosis as an adult than it is as a minor. And this is frustrating. I, a lot of people on TikTok in the comments are saying, we didn't know my husband was or my wife was until our child was diagnosed. And then we then it made sense. And that's how I realized it about Mike, not our children. We don't have that. But through my clients, through movies, through Sheldon on the Big Bang Theory, even though they don't say he has autism, he has all the, I mean, every everything, almost everything about Sheldon is the same as my husband. And that's that was the only way to figure it out. Right. I think it's just a lot of communication. And I think, so this is what I would advocate for anyone listening who's questioning like, oh, am I on the spectrum? Is my partner on the spectrum? Is just to go to a therapist and have them talk about it. There's also a lot of online assessments you can do. You can get a pretty accurate formal diagnosis without anyone writing it down on a piece of paper. Like, oh yes, this is what it is. The other thing you said in, uh, when we were talking about it for the show, you, and it may, and it was actually a relief to hear you say this, um, is that for the neurotypical partner, they have to do more of the modifying toward the neuroatypical partner. Is, is that what you said? Oh, yes. That's so, so huge. I'm involved in a lot of neurodiverse communities. And what I see a lot for people, not in my office, but just out you know, in the world, casually experiencing life is that the neurotypical person normally is saying like, my partner's the weird one. They're the one who thinks differently. You know, how can I get them to view things on my level? How can I get them to show more empathy? How can I get them to communicate how I want? And the thing is they can't, right? Like it's just not how their brain is wired, which really creates this huge, huge barrier, in my opinion, on creating some authentic communication because it's so much easier for the neurotypical person to say like, oh, okay, you don't respond well to this, I can reroute versus someone who's neurodiverse may not be able to reroute easily. And so I think it's really important for us as the neurotypical to do our own work, to do our own research, to really be talking to our partner or friends or whoever in the community we know that's autistic, to try and meet them where they're at 
in order to have success, I don't think we can place the burden just on someone autistic to meet us on our level. That seems really unfair. Yeah. And in my therapy room, when I've worked with these couples, um, the neurotypical partners are resentful of this. They get very right. right. And I think that's just part of how we're socialized is we expect, you know, like if I'm talking to my parents, for example, both of my parents are neurotypical and I might be able to set a boundary of, hey, I don't like this. Don't do that anymore. And they can respond really well versus if I tell my husband, I don't like this. Don't do this anymore his brain will get stuck on, oh no, what should I do instead? Like they can hear your request, they can take in your information, but because the brain is processing differently just by how it's set up, we're creating all of these barriers. And so there can be a level of resentment there, but I think you can also do some work on yourself of like, do we really need it to be our way all the time? No, there has to be a way to meet in the middle where both partners are getting their needs met at the same time. Right. And for me, what, what really helped um, was when I realized that he had Asperger's, then I was like, okay, you know, um, 50% of our problems went away because I didn't feel like fighting him. I could always see that he was working really hard to be in relationship with me and I couldn't right. deny it. And I just didn't understand why it was so hard. Once I understood why, and I, then I realized how hard he was working, I felt even more loved than I ever felt before. Right, exactly. I think that's huge. My husband and I joke, it was like an aha moment, like, oh, duh, of course, this is what it is. Of course, this is why our conversations like, continually go to the same place, like your brain can't hear me, like it made so much sense when we were able to figure it out. And I'm glad we're having these conversations because in 2010, it was a stigma. I mean, it still is obviously, but less so. And Mike didn't like it when I was saying this about him. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not judging you in a bad way, but this is helpful to me. And I really want you to get on board if if this is true. Because he would think, he always thought he's in Mensa. He's very highly intelligent. He thought it was always related to that. And parts of it might be, but there's no doubt that it's autism. Right. And I think just similar to you do, and my partner felt the same way when he got the diagnosis, it was very freeing for him to say, oh, it's not that I can't meet your needs. It's not that I suck as a partner. It was very validating for him to have that experience of like, I get it. This is me. This is my identity. Like I can work with this versus he couldn't work with me without it. Yes. Right. Right. And then the judgments, do you get, I don't know if you get this, but I have throughout the years, judgments from others about our relationship. That oh my that- God. Yes. Yeah. Like what? Can I, can you say what you've heard or? Sure. So I think it's exactly what probably Mike was experiencing is autism gets this like weird low key judgment about what that looks like, what that feels like, like how our conversations must go. Like people just assuming Alex is a certain kind of way. Um, And if you met my husband, like I swear he's a genius. He's so intelligent. He's so thoughtful. Like he meets my needs better than any previous partner I've ever had. But the stigma of like, oh, someone who's autistic, like, must not be able to feel feel like the robot vibe. You know what I mean? Like yes. a lot of judgment of like, he must be a robot. Um, we had someone close to us joke about what our sex life must be, because having sex with a robot, you know, wouldn't be fun when that's the total opposite of our reality. And so it's exactly what you're saying. Like this misconception of autism is like a bad disease, like a death sentence. You know, like that must mean he's flawed or broken, like you're doing a lot of caretaking when really we have a very normal relationship. Everyone, neurodiverse or not, like has struggles. I don't think it's any different to have a neurodiverse relationship. Like you're still going to have struggles, but you're also still going to have successes. Right. And um, so some of the struggles a lot of people have, and I have these too, is like Mike can't really express his love to me. And I'll even say, you know, do you love me? He'll say yes. 
and I'll say, well, well, what do you love about me? I just want to hear it like every once mm-hmm. in a while. And he'll say, I, I don't have the words. And I'm like, you're a man of words. Like he's great. He's so brilliant. How do you not have these words? But it's a part of his brain in the emotional part that he can't put words to. Right. Yeah, that's called, and I might pronounce it wrong. Sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I don't. But alexithymia, if you've ever heard of that, it's a condition highly linked to autism, which is literally just someone who has a hard time identifying and describing their emotions, which I think is a hallmark probably you experienced with Mike. Definitely something I experienced within my own relationship is we have these huge variety of words and my husband can know he feels it but doesn't know what to label it. Like there's just like a kind of a blank in his brain about like, I care for you, but I can't verbalize that to you because I literally don't know how. And and that's usually the reason for it. I'm telling you, Ashley, I feel so lucky to be connected to you and that of all the supervisors you could have had, it was me and our modern sex therapy program, because I mean, this is so helpful. There are few to hardly any therapists that specialize and are as smart about this as you are. Which I think is a bummer, you know, and and we talk about this a lot, you and I and me and my husband about like literally getting married, put me on this totally different path, because there wasn't anyone out there I could go to. So Alex could meet with someone like more in the autism community, which I always recommend, like get your tribe, get connected, like have feedback from other people. But there wasn't really anyone on the neurotypical side to tell me like, here's what you can expect. Here's what you can do with it here's how to navigate this conversation. And it felt like such a barrier, like this is silly that no one knows what to do with this. And so I spent a lot of time and energy into making sure like I can help people carry that so they can have successful relationships versus, you know, just falling apart because they don't know what to do. Yeah. And we had some bad therapy and I had some friends bad advice because don't you want a partner who's more expressive? Don't you want somebody who gives a belly laugh with you? Don't you want? Yeah, of course I do. But you know what? I get so much more um, that keeps me in is his loyalty, his kindness, his intelligence, he, his ability to help me through um, situations that I can't think through that he's so brilliant at thinking through. He yeah. is, he, he does a lot of thoughtful things. He might not do it exactly the way I want him to do it, but he still does them. And I, I have learned to adapt to the way he loves me. You know, we all talk about wanting our love language and yes, we should, but we should also adapt to our partner's way of loving us. And I've absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel actually, to be honest with you, he's loved me more than anybody in my family growing up. So to me, I mean, you always have to decide when you're with somebody, what can I let go of? uh, And what do I still need? And maybe it means you walk away from somebody. But in 28 years, I've never felt that way with him. Yeah, I don't feel that way with my partner at all. I think you really hit the nail on the head of what I think is the best is Alex's brain thinks so amazing. You know, I'm more of an emotionally driven. I'm a gut person. I find myself in situations often where it's like, yikes, I should have thought this out better. And so having a partner who can say like, hey, let's talk about this. Let's think it out. Like, let's add some reasoning and logic to this when that is an area like I just don't do well on my own has been so helpful. Like, I cannot imagine my relationship with someone who couldn't offer that to me. I think it's yeah. huge. Right. Yeah, it is huge for me, too. What else do you think is important that people should know about neurodiverse couples? I think you you hit something earlier. I just want to go back to on something I think is really important when you're talking about, sure, I would want to be loved in all of these ways, but what can I not settle for, but what's more important to me? I think sometimes we don't get creative about how we can get those needs met. So I really advocate for my clients, either one, the neurodiverse or the neurotypical, like, is there a way you can get that need without it looking exactly like what you're picturing in your head? So for me, just as a a personal way of relating this, 
it was really important to me to have a partner that was empathetic. You know, I'm a therapist. I carry a lot of emotions throughout the day. I relate to people in a pretty extreme way. And my husband just can't do that naturally. And that's not his fault. But I knew it wasn't something I was going to be able to not have. So we sat down and got really creative about how can I feel empathy? How can I feel you get my emotions? Well, you cannot do that the way I envision in my head. So for us, it's very formulaic. I've taught him a few key phrases of here's what empathy sounds like to me. So now he can repeat back any of those phrases I say, and I still feel like my needs are met. Mm. Does he feel it as deep as I do? No. Is he going to notice it all the time? No. But he can say like, okay, you gave me a solution. I can say these words back to you and know it still has meaning. So I think that's something that can be really helpful for people. It's like, don't just give up on it because you don't get it the way you're envisioning in your head. Like that's the benefit of having a partner is to be able to sit and talk and say like, what works for you? What doesn't work for you? Like, how can we add and manipulate this to where we're all happy? And I'm I think that's a, a really important thing. It is. I'm cracking up inside because I did exactly the same thing <laughs> and um, gave Mike, you know, a script. And I know people are like, I shouldn't have to give... Well, in this case, you do. And sometimes you do have to say to your partner, you know, this is how I, how love looks like for me. This is one thing I do need. And it's normal. Right. And I don't think that takes away from it. Like, again, Alex may not feel it the same, but I know he's prioritizing me in that moment. And really, that's what empathy is about. That's what I'm looking for in an empathetic partner as someone who can feel my needs and give them to me. Alex is doing that. It's just a little bit different than what I originally thought in my head. Yes. And the other thing um, that people, I think it's a huge misconception is that people on the autism spectrum do not feel empathy. That couldn't be further from the truth. Mike is so true. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's the thing is, in my opinion, they, they being anyone autistic feel things so deeply. It's the verbalizing piece where it gets stuck. And I'm sure you experience this with Mike sometimes. Alex will have a really strong feeling and he'll be silent about it. He'll need a lot of time to think about it, a lot of time to process it just to be able to tell me two sentences at the end, because the feeling is so deep that having the words to assign to them is so hard. So empathy is definitely there. It's really, really strong. It's just how do we act on it? How do we verbalize it? That I think is a little bit of the disconnect there. And it was the cause of a lot of our arguments over time because I, I had to wait so long and sometimes it would take too long. I didn't understand. And sometimes it's still frustrating because I'd like a, a response with more words and sooner. And it just doesn't happen because that's not how his brain works. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something the neurotypical partner, like that's kind of our responsibility is to say like, okay, I would love for this to happen in the next five minutes, but I can see by the look on your face, that's not going to happen So like giving space and time, I think is really important, but also still being able to say, I'm disappointed. I wish we would have been able to do this earlier, but I know that's not your fault. Like to still be able to share some of the downsides, like how we're feeling about it without placing blame on our partner. That's so well said. I know people listen to this and I've had friends say, I could never be with a partner like Mike and I need so much more. And and I get it. But I will tell you that people who have put in the comment sections, which has been therapeutic for me on TikTok, have said, yeah, I didn't know this about him and may may not have chosen it before I met him. But being with him, it's all worth it. Everybody says it's all worth it. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. I think prior to Alex, if someone had said, do you want to be with an autistic partner? I don't know what I would have thought. I don't think it would have been necessarily a hard yes. Although now being in that relationship, it would never be a hard no. I don't think ever. 
if you're listening way. And I hope that moms uh, and parents, dads, whomever are listening to this or will listen to this, because honestly, I really had no idea. Uh, it makes sense now, but in my mind, I was thinking, oh, this will help some other couples. But there are thousands and thousands of mothers. You should see they're duetting me on TikTok. They're stitching <laughs> me. And they're saying, I mean, I literally cried. I've sometimes watched it over and over again. What a good heart you have, Joe Court. You know, you're you're there. I, oh, I hope someday that my child can have a husband like you that will love him that much. I have never gotten that kind of support for this relationship. It feels wonderful. Yeah, I think that's what a beautiful place we're at in the world for this to be on the forefront of people's brains and to be able to give that need back. Because again, prior to now, like we've talked about before, there hasn't been a lot of emphasis on what it looks like in the adult life. So I think that's a beautiful thing. That and the relationship, which I think you're going to bring. And I hope uh, you do more and more with that because it's so needed. And I want to put you on the map. I hope this podcast is one way we do it. Yes, hopefully. That's that's my goal is to keep doing some work here. Well, I'm going to help, I hope, and, and find other ways for you. So how can people find you, Ashley? Um, so the best way to find me is on my website, which is www.blue, like the color, harbor, where you park a boat, therapy, the thing I do, dot com. Um, and that will give you all of the ways of getting a hold of me, my Instagram, my phone number, my email. Um, everything is listed right there for you to be able to vet me even before meeting me. That's so great. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and, and people that are listening, uh, if you enjoyed this show, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow me at Dr. Joe Court on Instagram, Twitter, and now I'm on TikTok. So till next time, stay safe and stay healthy. All right. Thank you.